Good morning, everybody. Well, welcome to all of you, wherever you're tuning in from around the world uh, or here in South Africa. I just want to say welcome with you with your family or friends or on your own. What an awesome privilege that we can still connect like this in this time. And just so excited for this morning that we get to spend together, even though it's online in this format. My name is Bates, and I'm just excited to share a message which I believe will be encouraging to us this morning. Let me start with some prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us, that you're with us, and that we can trust you. And even though we're on our own, you don't leave us on our own. We love you, and we pray you'll speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll notice that if you've been tuning in the past few weeks, we've been focusing on a theme of shaking. And um, we've been speaking about unshakable God, unshakable kingdom. This morning we're going to be speaking about an unshakable mission. And um, I think we can all agree stuff has been shaking in our world the past few weeks with this whole COVID thing. It's crazy. Unprecedented times. Things happening we've never seen before and might not see again in our lifetime. Here at home we set up a hammock just in our backyard here. Uh, for us to just be able to hang out on and the other day myself and my boy Sammy were on it and we were swinging and he says dad let's pretend it's a boat and so he's the captain driving the boat and I'm swinging on it and he says we're in a storm and he's he's pushing his back and forth and we're going violently in this thing and rocking and rocking and it just so reminded me of this time that we're in. There is shaking. There's so much to and fro, unknown, um, unpredictable. It's different times. It's new times. These are new waters for us. And if you're feeling shaken in this time and you're feeling anxious and maybe struggling a little bit, I really believe this morning's message will encourage us. We'll see a few ordinary men just like us who experienced a lot of shaking and uh, they found peace and rest in that shaking. And so I really trust this morning will be an encouragement. You may have noticed these two little items next to me, and they're not just random decorations. These are representing the two scenes from our story today. We're going to get a look in at two dramatic scenes from Jesus' life with his disciples, first-hand accounts from the disciples recorded in the Gospel of Mark for us. And these two events happened very close to one another, in fact, a few hours apart. So let's have a look in this morning. And they are found in Mark chapter 4, the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And it's quite a big section up to um, chapter 5, verse 20. We're going to skip a little bit in the middle. I'll explain why later. But let's start with the first scene, uh, Jesus calming the storm, this little boat to represent that. And I want to show you an image, it'll be on the screen now, of what a boat in that time might have looked like to help in your mind's eye as we read the story. So let's start um, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, or a big storm, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him? As we move on to our second scene in our story today, which the chains represent, I want to show this image on the screen, a dramatized version of a demon-possessed man to keep in our mind's eye as we work through this section. And I've cut out a little bit in the middle, as I said earlier. It's from Mark chapter 5 and from verse 1. 
They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons off his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And we skip down to verse 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him, but Jesus did not let him. But he said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed, and rightly so. What a crazy series of events. Certainly no ordinary 9 to 5. Firstly, a hectic storm comes up and the boat's being tossed to and fro. And Jesus stands up. Men fear that they're going to drown. Jesus stands up and with three words, quiet be still. He calms the storm and it listens to him and obeys and as if that's not enough drama, secondly, there's a scene with a demon-possessed man that not even chains can keep down. This savage demon-possessed man comes running at them as they reach the shore. Jesus looks him in the eyes, rebukes the demons, and calms the storm in that man's life so that he sits in his right mind, the feet of Jesus. Then Jesus sends him out to go and be the first missionary for Jesus. Wow, these scriptures are just so alive and awesome. And so we're going to discover three key observations from these scriptures today together. And I've put them under three key headings, Jesus the man, Jesus the master, and Jesus' mission. So let's start out at the first observation, Jesus the man. And we're going to be working from Mark chapter 4, 35 to 38a, that first little section. That day... When evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. So it was evening. Jesus had been teaching for a long time, the whole day. In fact, to large crowds, he'd been performing miracles. The man was tired. And so he says to his disciples, let's get into the boat and go over to the other side where there are no crowds. And he can sleep along the way and rest. He was exhausted. In fact, he was so exhausted that the coming violent storm didn't even wake him up from his sleep. He was so exhausted. And he says, let's go over to the other side. I think Jesus knew what he was saying when he said, let's go over to the other side. He knew what was to come in the storm and he knew what was to come in the storm of the man's life that they would meet on the other side. Verse 36, leaving the crowds behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And so not all the disciples could necessarily fit in one boat if it was quite small. So there were other boats there also. And then a furious squall came up. So a massive storm arises and 
these men who were on the boats, we could, we could quite confidently say that some of them were definitely fishermen because some of the disciples were fishermen. They were men of the sea. They knew what the sea was like. They knew that inland lakes like the Sea of Galilee sometimes had furious squalls and storms that would come up in a moment and an instant. And they could sink boats easily. They would have had friends and family who had drowned in storms like this. And so when the storm came up, they were starting to freak out. The boat was getting swamped. And they were panicking. And then in verse 38, it says this. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. As if he wasn't even bothered. Jesus was resting. Isn't it a fascinating thought to think that Jesus, like us, would have lain down and on his, on his um, back in that boat and probably had a few random thoughts float through his mind before he kind of drifted off to sleep. Amazing. Fully human he was and is. And he was sleeping on a cushion. Isn't that interesting? Why would they put that detail in there unless it actually happened? These are actual factual events that got recorded. Jesus sleeping in the stern of the boat during a massive storm. And so Jesus, sleeping in this boat, stands up, and he rebukes the storm. But before we get there, Jesus never promises us no storms in life. In fact, he almost guarantees us troubles. But what he does say is he'll be with us in the storms. Just like he was with these disciples, he'll be with us in our boat. He will never leave us in the midst of trouble. The wonderful thing about Jesus being fully human is that's part of what qualified him to die on the cross and rise again as a perfect sinless man so that we could be connected back to God. That's part of this incredible gospel, good news story that because Jesus was fully human and sinless, he could die on our behalf so that we could be reconnected to God. And then one of the most reassuring things about Jesus being fully human and we see in the story is that he experiences humanity in every way we do. He gets us. He knows us. He's experienced all the emotions, the desires, the deep stuff that we've experienced. He's been tempted in every way that we have yet without sin. And so this is so reassuring because he can fully empathize with us in our humanity, in our anxieties, in our struggles. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet. He did not sin. And so what I want us to do in light of Jesus being fully man is answer these two questions in our groups right now or on your own. Think about them. And here they are. How does the fact that Jesus was fully human in every way make you feel? And then secondly, and following on from that, how does this affect the way you think about him? Cool. You can... Answer those questions together right now. Go for it. And so we see that Jesus is fully man, but he's also fully God. He is the master. He's the king. We're still in the first scene of our story. Jesus in the boat with the disciples. We're looking at Mark chapter 4, verse 38b to 41. And we're looking at this point, our second point, Jesus, the master. We know he's the man, but he's also the master. He is God. And so the disciples woke him. They woke Jesus and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And one of the other versions in Luke's gospel says, master. And so we see they're slowly starting to perhaps get the identity of Jesus. They've seen him help so many other people along the way as they walked and journeyed with him. These disciples say, maybe he can help us in this crisis. And so they wake him and Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind. And he says to the waves in three simple words, quiet, 
be still one. Just imagine Jesus being like, guys, why are you panicking? <laughs> he stands up without a sweat and he rebukes the wind and the waves and they are still and they are quieted in a moment. They obey his rebuke. And then he goes on in verse 40, he says, he said to the disciples, he's just rebuked the storm, Jesus, and he turns to disciples and he rebukes them and he says this, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And what Jesus is saying to them is, you don't need to have massive faith. You just need to put your faith in the right place. He's not saying you have no quantity of faith. He's saying, where is your faith being placed? And one of the other uh, versions in Luke's gospel of this story it says Jesus says in this moment where is your faith he's not saying you haven't only saying where are you placing your faith and just like us where do we place our faith when the storms come they are real they are large and they can be so overwhelming that we tend to forget where we can place our faith what is truly most powerful the storm or our God And so Jesus says to them, where is your faith? He's rebuking them because he's saying, who's more powerful, me or the wind and the waves? Guys, I'm God. I'm God is what he's saying to them. And so in verse 41, they were terrified because now their fear of the storm had been replaced with their fear of Jesus because they're starting to realize who this guy really is. And they say to each other, they turn to each other, they say, who is this God? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And in the disciples' mind, being Jews as they were, I imagine the Psalms were coming to mind in their heads. Some of the Psalms of old, 65, 89, 93, and a whole bunch of them where the only one who calms the wind and the waves is God. And this man has just done that, i.e. he must be God. Guys, God is in the boat with us right now. Hectic. And so they fear of the storm is replaced with the fear of God who is far more powerful than the storm. It is just incredible. And so this story, this Jesus calming the storm story reveals Jesus' identity. It unmasks some of his identity. He is human, but he is also God. In one word, he can rebuke the storms and they are stilled. He's more than just a teacher. In fact, he's more than just a miracle worker. Mark ups the ante for us and he says he has the same authority as God the Father. He is God in the flesh. And so as I said earlier, when the storms are raging in our lives, when, when it's just so hectic, what looks more powerful to us? The storm or our God? When the storm was raging in these disciples' lives, literally they're going to be thrown overboard and drowned. What was more scary, the storm or Jesus? And so the pertinent question here, as Jesus asked the disciples, is where is your faith? What is most powerful? Because the truth is, what is that whatever we deem to be most powerful is the thing that will master our thoughts and actions. If we think God's most powerful, then we can trust him and he will master our thoughts and actions. If we think the accumulation of money is the thing that's most important and most powerful, we will go after that. If we think that um, what we look like or the friendships that we have, whatever we feel is most important and most powerful in our lives, that is the thing we will put our trust in and our faith in. And that is where we will place them. And so when the storms of life come, it's a real good test for us. And we need to ask ourselves humbly and honestly the question, where is my faith? And so when COVID-19 comes at us and our whole life is shattered, 
shattered and shaked and thrown around. Perhaps some of our family members will even pass away. Perhaps some hectic stuff will happen to us. Where is our faith? And I believe Jesus would ask us that question this morning. Where is your faith? He's not asking for a massive amount of faith. He's just asking for a teeny weeny childlike faith in a massive, incredible, awesome God that he is. He's just asking for it to be placed in the right position. The truth is that our faith placed in Christ is never misplaced. He's the one who stands and calms the storm. He's the one who can stand and calm the storm in our lives. And so like the disciples, Jesus is in the boat with us if we are Christ followers. He's with us. He can calm the storm. He cares for us. He knows us. He's with us in the storm. He's not far off and distant. He is close. And he says the storm is serving a purpose in your life that you might not right now understand, but it's greater than what you see and what you know, and it's for your good. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 7 says this, speaking to Christians, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. And so in our groups now, considering that Jesus is fully God and fully man, but the fact that he's fully God, I want you to ask this question, what fears are threatening you right now? In this moment, what fears are threatening you? And then following on from that, how does the fact that Jesus is fully God help you with those fears right now? In your groups or on your own, go for it. So we've seen from our scripture today, from our story of Jesus calming the storm, that he was fully man and is fully man, and that he was and is fully God. And now we get on to this incredible thing of Jesus's mission, our third observation from our Bible reading today. Jesus was fully God, fully man, and he's on a mission. And this is where our change represents today, the story of our demoniac who is restored. And so we come to the point of Jesus' mission here. We've seen his identity, now we're looking at what he's all about and what he does. And the fact that he's on a mission, a mission that is unshakable, I'm gonna give away the points here, the mission that is unshakable, that is unstoppable until that last day when Jesus returns. It cannot be derailed by a storm. It is sure and eternal and will last. He is on mission right now. He's been on mission since he came and he's on mission right now. And here's that mission that Jesus is on in a nutshell. Here's the mission, and it's what he's inviting you and he's inviting me to join him on today. Here it is from Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. It says this, For the Son of Man, that's referring to Jesus, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's his mission. That's why he came. That's his purpose on this earth. Jesus' purpose was to seek and to save the lost. That is his purpose. And Jesus is inviting us to join him on that unshakable mission. How awesome is that? And so we're going to look at Mark chapter 5, just from verse 6 to 8, and then 15 and 19 for our next section here, looking at Jesus' mission. And so let's focus in there from verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, that's the demoniac, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And so this man has run at Jesus. He hasn't just kind of seen from afar, he's running at him. Verse 7, he shouted at the top of his voice, 
What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, do not torture me. And so isn't it interesting to note that even the demons know Jesus' true identity. He is the son of the most high God. He is God himself in the flesh. The demons know the disciples are still figuring it out. Verse 8, for Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And so Jesus rebukes the demon in this man and he stills that man's life. And the, the representation of the storm that we've just seen in the story before is representation of this man's life. He's been bound in chains for his whole life. No one can contain him. He's out of control. It's a storm and Jesus comes, speaks a word and this man's life is stilled and calmed just like that storm, that storm. This man was impure in every way. He lived among the dead in the graves. According to Jewish law, he would have been seen as completely filthy and riddled, not just on the outside, but on the inside. But Jesus looks him in the eye, has compassion on him, and rebukes that man. He came to the other side of the lake. This is my argument this morning. He came to the other side of the lake, not to calm the storm, but to heal, restore, and save this man's life. That was his primary purpose in heading to the other side of the lake. That's his mission, Jesus' mission on earth, to seek and to save the lost men just like this demon-possessed man, men and women just like me and just like you, broken and sinful and frail as we are. He has come for us to seek us out and to save us and to restore us to full life in him. And so we move on to verse 15. When they came to Jesus, we missed the whole section there about Jesus rebuking the demons. The demons go out into pigs and they run into the lake. The men who own the pigs go into town. They tell of what has happened to this demon-possessed man. And then they, those people who heard about it come back to out into the, the, um, the side of the lake and they see this demon-possessed man. And this is what happens. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. That means many demons. They saw him sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. You see, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Where Jesus rules and reigns, where he is in control, it's people sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in their right minds. It's from chaos to calm. From possession to peace. That is the kingdom of God. And that is what Jesus invites us into when he dies on the cross and rises again and makes a way for us to reconnect with God. He's saying, come and be part of my kingdom. I'm a good king. I'm the best king. My kingdom is peace, joy, love, grace, wholeness. It is incredible. And that is what this man had just experienced sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind, fully clothed. And so verse 19, Jesus says to this man, he wants to come on the boat with him, but Jesus says to him, go home to your own people, ex-demoniac, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so Jesus restores this man, he heals this man, he does an incredible miracle work that no one else and nothing else could do in this man's life. And this man just wants to follow him. Of course he does, his life has just been changed. And Jesus says no. Turns him around, points him back to where he's come from, and he says, Ex-demoniac, 
Go back into the towns from which you came, those 10 cities in the area, the Decapolis, and go and tell them how awesome I am and what I've done for you. Tell them of the incredible works I've done for you. And so Jesus sends this man out, the first missionary for Jesus, an ex-demoniac Gentile, not some up, upright, upstanding Jew, but an ex-demoniac. <laughs> Jesus doesn't choose the ones we would choose. He chooses whoever he wants to fulfill his purposes. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, and you feel unworthy or you feel like you don't deserve it, you don't. Jesus chooses whoever he wants and he restores and he redeems and he renews and he sends us on our way to join him on mission to go and seek and save the lost, just like he did to this ex-demoniac. Sends him out. Think about it for a moment. This is such a weird thought experiment, but I did it just the other day. The way the Christian faith works is it gets passed on from person to person like a baton. And I share my faith with my friend and he starts following Jesus. Then he shares his faith with another friend. He starts following. And so it gets passed on from person to person, from generation to generation. And so the baton of faith, metaphorically, that I'm carrying today, if I trace that back all the way, I wonder if it might lead to this ex-demoniac. Maybe he was the first person who shared the faith in those decapolis cities. And those people shared and shared and shared. And then I, all these years later, 2,000 years later, I'm now walking in this faith, following Jesus, joining him on his mission to seek and save the lost because of this ex-demoniac and what happened in the story. And maybe that's your story also. Maybe you also come way, 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 way back 2,000 years ago from what this ex-demoniac said to those people about what Jesus has done in his life. And so here's the big point this morning, the unshakable mission, Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost people on this earth who are wondering, who are not following him, is what he's all about. And he's saying to you this morning, whether you follow him or not, come and follow me, join me on my mission, it's what you're made for. It's what I made you for, and I'm inviting you to join me this morning on my mission, or to rejoin me. Maybe you've kind of slipped and slided away, and you're kind of feeling a bit cold in your faith. He's saying, come back, come join me on my mission. It's awesome. It's world-changing. It's what's been going on for 2,000 years. It's what built a church of more than 2.5 billion people around the globe. It's that mission being fulfilled from person to person. And so I want to ask, uh, ask us to answer the last question for this morning. And it's like, it goes like this. How does the fact that Jesus invites you to join him on his unshakable mission affect the choices that you make today? How does the fact that Jesus invites you to join him on his unshakable mission affect the choices that you make today? So we've seen from this incredible uh, text this morning, three incredible things. Jesus is fully man. Jesus is fully God. And Jesus is on a mission. And he's inviting us to join him on that mission. Imagine we all took him seriously. Those who followed Jesus, imagine we took him at his word. Imagine how many who are seeking would find. Imagine how many skeptics would become convinced. Imagine how many who are wondering would find their way. Imagine how many hungry would be fed. How many rejected would be accepted? How many lost would be found? How many proud would be humbled? How many demon-possessed would be set free? Imagine how many lonely would be set into families if we took Jesus at his word and joined him on his mission of seeking and saving the lost, his unshakable mission, that no thing that ever happens will ever stop his mission until that very last day when he returns in the future. And so in this time of crisis, in fact, I would say at every time, is there anything this world needs more, that, that we need more than Jesus? 
and his transforming power in our lives and his mission and purpose for our lives in a time when all sorts of purpose is being tested. We're wondering, what are we really here for? He has a purpose and a plan and a mission for each of us to join him on to seek and to save the lost. Is there anything better to hear and to be part of than that? And so I want us to close this morning by praying together. I want us pray with two groups of people. The first one is if you consider yourself a Christ follower, I want to pray with you this morning. If you want to join Jesus again on his mission of seeking and saving the lost, if you feel like you've kind of been a little bit apathetic and a little bit kind of just going day by day, but you want to rejoin Jesus on his mission to seek and save the lost, pray with me now on your breath. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are on mission and that you have a purpose and a plan for each one of us to join you on your mission of seeking and saving the lost. Oh God, I repent for kind of just taking it day by day and not taking you seriously or taking your word seriously that calls me to follow you as you seek and save the lost. So right now I commit in Jesus' name to follow you and to join you on your mission, Jesus, to seek and save the lost. Help me by your Holy Spirit to do that each and every day, even starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you are still figuring out this Christianity thing, you're not 100% convinced, you're not quite sure, but some of the stuff you've heard this morning or maybe before has kind of piqued your interest and you want to find out more, I want to encourage you to pray a very, very simple prayer in your own time after this time of meeting together. And it goes like this. Jesus, if you are who you say you are, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. Jesus, if you are who you say you are, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. And then wait and be expectant for what God might show you in the days to come. And I would encourage you even to share it with someone you trust that you've prayed this prayer. And should God do something and show up and act in your life, share with them also what he does. Awesome, guys. What a wonderful time together. So glad you could tune in this morning. Uh, So glad we could be in God's word together, figuring out and finding out that Jesus is fully man, fully God. And he's on a mission and he's inviting us to join him. Why don't we close our morning together by sharing communion together with one another in our homes, whoever you're with, grab some bread, grab some juice and share communion together as we close our time together this morning. Awesome. Have a great morning. Have a great day. Cheers.